Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. If you're new to Christianity, you may notice the Bible is full of a lot of different kinds of books and that the Christian religion has some really unique and sometimes confusing terms. In this episode, we talk through different sections of the Bible, including the Law, or Torah, the Gospels, the Prophets, and the New Testament letters. We discuss what is different about each of these and why the Bible is full of such diverse literary expressions. We also dissect some of the unique Christian terms and discover both their value and their hindrances. By addressing these questions, both new and established Christians can help unravel some of the obstacles to effectively reading the Bible and engaging with their faith. You know, one of the things I notice when I'm talking with you guys or anybody who's really deeply steeped in Christianity, uh, I've been a Christian for nine years. I'm still kind of a baby Christian. And a lot of times I hear terms and I think, oh, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> it used to actually make me feel bad. Like wow. I felt like I was out of the loop. Now I realize... I've been a Christian for nine years. I feel pretty good about my walk with the Lord. I, you know, He's definitely saved me. I'm, I didn't lose my salvation because I don't know these terms. But I think some of these are important terms. I think it'd be good for people to understand what some of these terms are that describe how the Bible's broken up and what different sections of the Bible are about. Well, we could start with maybe the Gospels, term Gospels. That was a question like, does everybody know what that is? And uh, why don't you start with that? Like, I don't know why they call them the Gospels. Well, yeah, I think I think the idea is historically, you know, and the Bible uses this term, the Gospel, as good news, the good news. I think we've co-opted that in, in Christianity as an institution uh, to sort of say, you know, the good news is you don't have to go to go hell, hell when yeah. you die. But I think that the term comes from the idea that Jesus as the Messiah coming is like, this is... The good news here is that there is now uh, a revelation of how to live your, your best life, of how to live life to the fullest. And so the Gospels are the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the books that include the life of Jesus. So it includes kind of, you know, and I think it's important that the Gospel properly understood isn't just the life of Jesus. It's the entire narrative of God in this world. Uh, but that's what, what has been kind of historically used as, as a reference point to um, maybe the culmination of, of the story of God is the life of Jesus in each of these four books. And, you know, the, it's, it is talking about kind of things that are confusing. You know, if you read them kind of in order that they're in your Bible, Matthew is the story of Jesus. And then, okay, great. M move on to Mark. It's also the story of Jesus. So it scoots back and starts from the beginning. And, and uh, Luke does the same thing. John does the same thing. And the reality there is that each of those four stories are telling the story of Jesus through a particular lens. So Matthew is telling it largely to, uh, to a Jewish audience, talking about emphasizing how Jesus is, is kind of the, the Messiah. The son of David, the king. The king, yeah. 
the book of Mark is actually the first of those books they we think. Uh, so that was, it's that was written. That was written. So it's the shortest, and it's kind of the the most concise, and that's kind of what it's trying to focus on. And it was probably the Gospel of Peter, the Apostle Peter, written by Mark, who was the scribe. And so what you're getting there is the through the lens of Jesus's like most preeminent. Of the three stu- of the twelve stooges, because the, one of the things that's so amazing about the Gospels is it's written by the disciples, and they come off as absolute stooges, yeah, completely clueless, never knew what was going on. Which kind of goes back to your just try, right? Yeah. <laughs> these are the these are the pillars the of the faith, the best that there ever was, and they basically never got anything right. Which is unbelievable humility that they were willing to tell the story that way. Now, they're telling it after they did figure it out, right, right. but they told it pretty well, you know, bare-knuckled. They were pretty clueless all the way through. Yeah. So I think that's really important if you're a new Christian and you hear the word Gospels and you're like, I don't even know what that is. That's going to happen a lot. It's fine. It's, it's, yeah. it's not stunting your spiritual growth. <laughs> you're not going to have problems reading the Bible. You're not a bad Christian because you don't understand these things. And if you really want to, you can go look them up. That's fine. The Bible says it's a great resource in a lot of other places, but you don't have to, and you certainly shouldn't feel bad when you don't understand these terms. So what are, what are some other ways the Bible's divided? Well, there's the epistles. and the New, So there's New Testament, Old Testament. Right. So Old Testament is the Hebrew Bible. That's the Bible Jesus had. And that is the Bible that the New Testament church had. They didn't have the New Testament. So that's an incredible thing that I think most people miss, right? Yeah, right? So Jesus has a Bible, and the Bible is the Old Testament. So a lot of Christians I know never read the Old Testament. That's Jesus's Bible. Right. Pretty incredible. So that's, his family Bible there is the Old Testament. That's right. And a lot of people just ignore that. So it shows it's important for us to know because that's what Jesus had. The well, New Testament is mostly a commentary on the Old Testament. It's, it's uh, like the Apostle Paul was the only uh, credentialed of the... This, of the apostles. All the other guys were uh, you know, blue-collar workers and, and government bureaucrats and things. He was a PhD in theology. And he, when he writes his books, he puts, well, actually, they're everywhere. There's, there's scripture in all of them. Because these guys grew up, that was what they learned in school was right. the scripture. So every book is full of scripture from the Old Testament right. because the New Testament, Jesus, the good news is that God, this person came to redeem humanity from the fall and restore us to the place we're supposed to be. That's the good news. That's the euangelion that's that's translated gospel. Mm -hmm. And I think would be better translated good news because, wow, that is really great news, right? The world's broken. Through this person, it can be fixed again. Okay, you mentioned epistles. So what are the epistles? Yeah, so you got Old Testament, New Testament, and then New Testament, you got Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's the story of Jesus through different lenses. And then uh, you've got Acts, which is the uh, birth of the new of the new church and the uh, and the birth of a Gentile church. So you had one church with two cultures that were united. They they did not have a cultural unity, but they had uh, body unity. Because the Jews kept being Jews, and the Gentiles uh, were asked to like stop doing the practices 
of the Gentiles that were idolatrous, immoral. And yeah, I'm going to ask you to step back and define yeah, Gentile because sure. a lot of people have... Oh, a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. Okay. And a Jew is somebody that was circumcised into the... Uh, okay. into the family of Abraham. Now, circumcision has become a common practice. But in that day, if you were circumcised, you were Jewish. And if you were not circumcised, you were Gentile. And so you had Jews and Gentiles, both believers that Jesus was Messiah. Both believers, and they fellowshiped together. Right. But the Jews kept doing the Jewish practice, and the Gentiles were specifically freed from it, which I think is the main reason Luke wrote Acts, because he was a companion with Paul, and he was a, like a co-worker with Paul, and Paul was being attacked by a segment of Jews that wanted to have Jewish control over the Gentiles and make them all convert. And that was a big fight. Most of, this, most of the New Testament epistles are letters. Epistle means letter. Okay. Are letters by Paul or Peter or James expressing some encouragement or teaching, or in Paul's case, defense of an attack that is, has come against him and his, and his authority. Okay, so I just learned something. Epistles means letters. So it shows you, you can be a complete <laughs> fool and still be a Christian. It's okay. <laughs> well, and I think that's an important thing. You know, most of these categories, it's not that important. What they are is uh, it's ways that we categorize them to help differentiate between different just like styles. And so if you know you read epistles or letters and you understand like, okay, this is Paul, an apostle, or Peter, an apostle, writing to a specific church at Corinth or at Ephesus or in Rome or whatever, uh, you know, it, it helps give you a little bit of a context of why this book right. was written, how it was written. But it's it's not that vital for for you to know. It's it's just uh, and what's helpful in the in the uh, New Testament is that it is at least chronological in a right. way. Like it is uh, gospels and then the Acts and then after that uh, the epistles. And so I think this is important too. In any community, we develop a language which is a shorthand, right? Mm -hmm. Makes it easier to communicate. Right. So. If, if you know what Gospels are and somebody mentions Gospels, in your mind, immediately you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, mm -hmm. and John. So now there's a shorthand. Somebody didn't have to say, what I'm talking about are mm -hmm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. And so over time, as you're a member of a community, you, you pick up the language. But mm -hmm. it's not necessary to have that language to join. Is the point. Well, I think about it as like, you know, if you... Uh, it's... It, any community that you're part of has inside jokes, different types yep. of, of languages. And so if if you uh, go to college or something and you join some upperclassmen who are friends, it might take you a, a, a minute to learn some of their lingo, some of the ways they refer to different Definitely. types of things. And so, you know, give yourself permission to take the time that you need to for that to develop. Every sports that way has a brief RBI ERA, yeah. you know, it has different things like that. When okay, so we've got Old Testament, New Testament, epistles, so gospels. Epistles, epistles, gospels, and or the main, then there's the main divisions. In the Old Testament, you have the law. So that's, that's referred to actually a lot in the New Testament, the law and the prophets. Right. So Jesus says that, you know, this is the whole sum of the law and the prophets is... Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. So 
he uses that division. So that was a actual something that was already in place when Jesus came. So when they say the law, what are they referring to? So the law is the, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And those are the books of Moses. So five books. Five books. Torah, Pentateuch. Commonly Pentateuch is a, yeah. is a Torah. Right. As a, so Torah, some people, some people say Torah is those five books. Some people say it's the whole thing, I think. Maybe, uh, um, the Samaritans, I think, would say that the Torah is just the first five books. I may I may have that wrong. And so I've heard even, the term. Even I like. You know, I, I would say, well, I'm not sure exactly right. what that term means. Pentateuch. What's five books? Okay. Penta. Penta. Penta like pentagram. Okay. Pentateuch is the first five books. See, so these sometimes you hear these big words, you have no idea. Yeah. It's okay if you have no idea, but here we get a definition. Yeah, and basically the law. I mean, Genesis is the starts with the, you know, the uh, creation, and then the the fall and the destruction of the world because it filled with violence, a reset, and then this one family. And most of the rest of the, New, of the Old Testament is this one family that grows into a nation, the family of Abraham. Right. And God's relationship with Abraham, who is the example of faith. And one of the great things about Abraham that should encourage everybody is, he was promised, if you'll leave your home and your family, I'll give you this amazing blessing. Now we know from Acts 7 that Abraham believed while he was in Ur. So he had already believed. But again, God said, if you will walk by faith and leave your home and your family, I'll give you this amazing blessing. He left his home, but he didn't leave his family. So he got halfway there and got stuck because his dad wanted to stay. And then his dad died and God says, if you'll leave your home and your family, like 14 years later, then I'll bless you. So this time he leaves his home again and most of his family, but he took Lot with him. Right. And only when he finally gets into the land and he says, which place do you want? And Lot picks Sodom and Gomorrah and then he, he picks. Left. Then God says, okay, it's yours now. Like whatever it is, 20 years later, you finally did what I asked you to. Well, that's pretty patient. <laughs> From the man of faith, the man of faith took him 20 years to finally get around to obeying. That should give us a lot of a comfort that the man of faith took 20 years to get there. So what other terms are there that new Christians are going to hear that might be confusing? Well, prophets. Yeah, so you have you have the law and then... So you, talked about Jesus references the law and the prophets. So a lot of, most of the books in the Old Testament are prophets. So you ask him about like, why is it called the law? You know, I think a, a lot of the reason is uh, those first five books, it's where you get the 10 commandments. Uh, you get these, God is basically outlining for his people what righteous living looks like. So Jesus will come and say, I've not come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill it. So one of the things that you know, kind of learn in these five books is like, Poof, like, this is a lot. I don't know how I can keep up with all this. I can't do this on my own. And, and then the good news, I guess, then becomes that Jesus comes and says, this isn't all on you. I'm, I'm making a way for this. Uh, and so the prophets are kind of foretelling that reality that, that uh, if you continue living in unrighteousness, you know, there's going to be destruction, but there's one coming who's going to, uh, to help. So the prophets are sort of giving this reality check uh, to, to the people of God along the way. So the traditional definition of prophet is somebody who predicts the future. 
Is that yeah. no? Okay. So no, this because that's, that's part of it, right? So that's what a. I mean, somebody who's not a Christian who's mm-hmm. coming to faith is going right. to say, "Prophet, oh, this person." You go to the prophet, and he'll tell you what's going to happen. Yeah, the prophet does do that, but prophet just means speaking the truth. And what the prophets typically are doing is telling people, "Here's what you need to be doing that's right, and what you're doing now is wrong, and and here's the consequences that are going to be from your choices." Now, where the where the foretelling comes in, so the foretelling is you choose, and there's the consequences, right? The Bible's full of that. And then it says, when you choose bad, which is what you're going to do, here's what's going to take place. And right. God, here's how God's going to restore you and redeem you, which ultimately comes through Christ. But the reason it's called the law is because both um, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy actually are the biblical constitution. Like, you're a constitutional lawyer, right? right? And so all of our law, we got all these laws, but they all roll up under the Constitution. Well, uh, Deuteronomy is like the second giving of the law, du- duo, two. Okay, so New Test- now New Testament. No, 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 no. Deuteronomy, Old Testament, Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, okay. Deuteronomy. That's the fifth of the five books. Duo means two. Okay. So it's the second giving because it's to the second generation out of Egypt. Okay. First generation rejected, they all died. Now you give it to the second generation coming out of Egypt. And it's very clearly articulated as a treaty between God and the people, as is Exodus is that way, and Leviticus is that way. Deuteronomy's really uh, like stylistically spelled out that way, so it's easier to okay. exp- it's easier to see. But Exodus and Leviticus are the same way. I'm the king, you're the people, there's an offer. Do you want to follow my way? If you do, I'll bless you. And if you don't, I'll, I'll, I'll curse you. So there's consequences of your decision. The, the choosing of them as the people was because he loved them. That's unconditionally given. You're my people. You'll always be my people. Not, nothing you can do will stop that, which has a corollary in the New Testament. You have enough faith to believe, you're accepted. That, no condition. But then now that you're in my family, I'm giving you the choice, and I'm going to make it real clear. This is the blessing, and this is the curse, and it's a treaty. And the treaty is uh, clear consequences for choices, just like any treaty. If you do this, this happens. If you do that, that happens. That's why that's called law. And the prophets are mostly coming in and saying, you're breaking the law. Remember, the provision for breaking the law says this. If you don't turn, that's what's going to happen. So they're predicting the future, but it's just because the consequences have already been laid out. Mostly. Any, any other terms that new Christians are going to encounter that, that might be difficult for them? Well, there's there's a, you might hear the term wisdom literature, which includes uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, those four books. Job sometimes Job, people. Job as well, yeah, definitely Job. Uh, and so those, those books are, um, they don't necessarily line, fall into line with the historical narrative necessarily. Uh, in some ways they do, but, but they're, they're mostly, you know, the Bible, this is a huge thing I think for new, the Bible doesn't talk in terms of like, this is the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do as often as it talks about this is wisdom and this is foolishness. And so those books particularly... This has great consequences. This has bad consequences is another way to say that same thing. Exactly. And so those wisdom literature books like really kind of lay that foundation of like, this is what like living in a a wise reaction to reality looks like. And this is what living in a foolish reaction. And so you get, 
you know, Proverbs where they give these little snippets of like, this is what a wise man does, but this is what a fool does. And you get the book of Job, which doesn't make any like sense to us. Uh, but the invitation at the end is to trust in God, which is right. what wisdom is all about. So you get that in the, and then Psalms is a lot of worship and acknowledging uh, just kind of the reality and, and the the wisdom of worshiping God and, and coming to him and letting him, as you said in our last session, kind of wash over you and be the thing that, that uh, sings the song of, of your heart. They all kind of say the same thing, just given in different forms. Right. You have a story, history, uh, like First uh, Corinthians 10 says, these things were written down for you as an example so you don't have to make the same mistakes, okay? So someone else's mistakes you can learn from. And that's Genesis and uh, Judges, the period of uh, self-governance and then the period of kings and then the exile and return. All those history, all that history is there to show cause effect. Right. And then you have the law. The law is set out to tell you the cause effect. So here's the cause effect in law. Here it is in history. And then you have it in philosophy. But here's a philosophical perspective on right. the consequences of what works and what doesn't work. And then you have it in music and songs and psalms and poetry. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. So it's like, how many different ways? Right. How do you learn? We're going <laughs> <we're gonna laughs> to give it to you every, every way. And it's kind of the same thing. If you make good choices, you get good consequences. If you make bad choices, you have bad consequences. And both are within a context. If you're in the Old Testament, God chose Israel because they loved them. So acceptance was unconditional. And in the New Testament, enough faith to look saying, man, I don't want to die. You're accepted unconditionally, irrespective of anything you do. So God's love and acceptance is given. But it's given so that we have, the in the New Testament era, the power to, supernatural power, to choose well. And the question is, will we use it or not? To whom great power is given, there's great responsibility. We all have superhero powers like Spider-Man. The question is, will we use it for good or ill? And that's, that's the whole point of the New Testament. So this is one of the really big ones that it was strange to me. I hear it from a lot of people, the idea of being born again. Mm -hmm. right? that's, that's kind of the antithesis of what we think of when we think of being born. We think of biology. Mm -hmm. right? So you're a full-grown adult and you're born again. Can you describe that for folks? Do you want to keep going or start a new one for that? Okay. Okay. Why don't we go well, ahead? Because we're, we're at 21 minutes. Yeah, go ahead. I was just, just going to... To end this, add a fun one yeah. that, that you may be probably already have heard of, but in case you haven't, I'm sure some of the listeners haven't. One of the things, I grew up in the church, but one of the things you might hear is a major prophet versus a minor prophet. Yeah, I've heard that. And for me, I thought like, wow, I really should spend some time in the major prophets because right. it's major. They must be important. The only reason those distinctions are there is length of the book. So major prophets are the longer ones, minor prophets are the smaller ones. So yeah, it, and I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I would have said the same thing. Well, those are the important ones because no, they're major. Not at all. Well, it highlights what you said before. Like, don't get tripped up on this. It's not as important as it might sound. Right. It's just ways that are, help kind of categorize. So just read it, enjoy it, and don't read worry it, about enjoy it. it but well, I, I think for me, it's helpful to know those things because of the different ways God has right. expressed Himself. And and you know, I think I memorized the books of the Bible at one point in time using a song. Right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, <laughs> Joshua, Judges, Ruth. I still sing it in my yeah, head I when I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> no, I think so. That, that's a great wrap up because I think the key is 
get into it, read it, enjoy it, savor it. Over time, you'll crave the tools to yeah. get deeper understanding Then the tools are there. Over time, you'll start to absorb the terminology because you're around other Christians, going to church, you're using the Bible says.com. Yeah. That stuff comes in over time. Don't yeah. expect to know it all at once. Yeah, when you start, when you start doing um, a carpentry work with tools, you just need the saw and a hammer, and over time you get more sophisticated yep. tools as you have the need. Yep. Makes sense. But that's not holiness. And knowing the terminology doesn't what well, the nice question, what is holiness? That is not getting you where God wants you to go, which is what the biblical term holy is. It's not some, you know, your feet come off the ground sort of a thing. Um, so what, what, what getting where God wants you to do is not acquiring terminology and Christianese and learning buzzwords and stuff. It's living the life. And so if you use the tools to build good things, build a life that's worthwhile, the tools are useful. You can use a hammer to go whack somebody on the head with it. I mean, it's, the tools are not necessarily used properly. So Yeah, I mean, I remember at one point you told me, you know, I, f I told you that I felt weird because I didn't know all this stuff. And you said, don't be overly impressed with people with Bible knowledge. Yeah. That's, you don't get brownie points for knowing more of the Bible. That's not what it's about. The main point is the Bible flowing out of you, the word flowing out. That's what the emphasis, that's the biblical emphasis. Jesus was pretty patient with everybody except the Pharisees who were the really educated guys because they were teaching the right thing. He said, your teaching's really good, which means they knew the right thing to do, but you're leading people the wrong way with your example. And they were hypocrites. Well, that was a Greek word that meant actor. So he pasted a Greek word on them. This is what we call in politics branding, negative right. branding. Right. He gave them a negative brand and forever, they were, they were the local heroes right. of the regular people. They were the fighter, the defenders of the faith, okay? That's, what, that's how they were looked at. You'll see that in the, in the, in the gospels, the, the things that, the books that talk about Jesus. You'll see that in there that the disciples will say, did you know that you're making the Pharisees mad? Jesus is like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, they're, they're upset by that. They don't understand because he's like, yeah, because they're, and he gives them this brand, hypocrite. Right. They're actors. They're pretending to be something they're, that, that's different than who they are. So we slap you down because you're not doing the right thing. Yeah, understanding these categories and some of the lingo can can and for many people becomes a cover for actually holy living. Right. So if I can tell you the difference between a major and minor prophet, what does that tell you about my faith? Pretty much nothing. Right. And so the key is to, these can be helpful to inform your faith life, but they can't become a replacement for it. Yeah, Joey, I would say that's, that's really important for a new Christian. Because as a new Christian, oh, I think there's, I certainly had a natural tendency when somebody could spout off verses and they knew major and minor prophets and epistles and all. I would think, whoa, man, that person's a serious Christian. And what you're saying is that's not necessarily. They, they might be. They might be living a good Christian life. If you, They might. If you have somebody that loves them neighbors as themselves versus someone who doesn't but knows everything there is to do about the Bible, which one is has the better and Loves the witness? neighbor. Yeah. So it's, it's doing what you know is way more important than the knowing than the knowing right. but 
given that the Bible is there so that you can have the most robust life possible, why wouldn't you want to know and understand? Knowing still, in other words, it's worth pursuing. The knowledge is worth pursuing, but not in and of itself, only so that you can act in a proper way. Yes, because it informs the best choices you can make for the best benefit that you have. That's what God wants us, is the maximum benefit. But it's up to us to choose it. Now, He chooses us into His family when we believe. So that's his, that's his choice because of what Jesus did. So that's done. Now the question is, what are we going to do with that gift? Right. And he leaves that up to us. Just like we as parents don't make our choices for our kids. We know they're not going to grow up and learn unless they learn to make their own choices. We put boundaries on them. God puts boundaries on us. And matter of fact, one of the main verses about the Bible that's sobering is, if you insist on doing things that are counterproductive, God will eventually let you have it. And that is called the wrath of God. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.